Maybe I'm foolish, maybe I'm blind Thinking I can see through this and see what's behind Got no way to prove it, so maybe I'm lying But I'm only human after all I'm only human after all Don't put your blame on me Don't put your blame on me Take a look in the mirror, what do you see? See it clearer, or are you to see? And what you believe? Cause I'm only human after all. And you're only human after all. Don't put the blame on me. Don't put your blame on me. Oh, This is Trice Talk, Sunday Night Live, and I'm Donald Wayne. And I'm Dennis Lee. And this is where Dennis Lee usually says, I'm Dennis Lee. Hello. <laughs> this is where Dennis Lee usually says, I'm Dennis Lee. Hello. <laughs> Are can we, you hear me? I can hear you. <laughs> I can hear you. Right, I'm going to have to fix something. Hold, hold, sing a few bars. Hold, I'll have to step out for a second. Uh, sing a few bars. Well, just, all right. Well, we'll just kick up. Oop, I guess he's through with the song, I'm Only Human. That was kind of a new version. I've never heard that one before. That's by some guy named, uh, what is his name? Rannon Bone Man? I don't know who that is, but um, that was uh, his version of I'm Only Human. All right. Well, Dennis Lee is trying to fix his microphone or whatever it is he's working on there. Welcome to Trice Talk Sunday night. Um, we're coming to you from Atlanta, Georgia area, not quite downtown, but... Um, in that vicinity, hope everybody had a wonderful Sunday. It was Mother's Day, and um, I hope that you had some nice activities for Mother's Day. I'm sorry, I'm trying to, I'm having a little technical difficulty here myself. 
Anyway, Sunday night, and we're back to politics. Uh, it wasn't an extremely busy weekend uh, for politics, although the um, the oil pipeline thing kind of uh, made news exciting there for a little bit. Imagine that. Let's see. I'm, I'm just looking to see if Dennis is trying to call back. So... While we're waiting for him, uh, I'll just kind of go over the call-in policy. Uh, we we do take callers from time to time, although usually we pack in so many stories in the um, in the uh, store uh, in the episode that a lot of times we don't really have a lot of time to uh, dedicate to call-ins. But we will try to take callers from time to time, especially if you want to comment on the uh, material that we're doing for the. Uh, for the show, you just have to uh, go go into the chat room and just type that you would like to call in and state whatever it is uh, you would like to comment on. That would be helpful. Hey, Jess Duck. Hey, Eric. And let's see what else I can hit here. Mary, Lonzo, Iglesias. All right, let me get Dennis click back in here. You're on my small screen, so I can't read all the names as well as I would like to. Did you get it fixed, Dennis Lee? I hope so. All right. I hope so. <laughs> well, you know, if it wasn't for technical issues, life would be too simple. Wasn't it, though? I mean, you know, it used to be simple, you know, before electronics. We'd just go out to the front porch and holler. And uh, that's how you communicated holler holler. You just holler down to the next house, you know, and if it, was, if it was too far, you just get two or three people to kind of relay the message down the road. Right. Well, this is true. Yeah. Um, or, you know, get one of those big, uh, triangle things and ring the bell. Of course that usually signifies it's time to eat something, but come and get it. I could set a bonfire, you know, communicate yeah. by bonfire. Uh, those kind of things are simple compared to what you have to do today. And the more we depend on this stuff, just kind of like the pipeline story you're going to be doing shortly, uh, it's the worse it is when they fail. It's kind of like last yeah. week when the storm came in, knocked the power out 10 minutes before the show. And I had to, I had to go in and reload everything back on the computer that I was going to use for that night. That's so. right. Just Duck said uh, tin cans and string. I've Never done heard. that. <laughs> I, we we should probably try to do that between our houses. You know that. Uh, I'm well, sure we it, might get called out on that. That's a lot of string, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't get, pull it very tight either, could we? Not hardly. I hear music. I hear music. <laughs> Do you? I hear music. That's a song. Oh, that's a <laughs> Beach Boys song. Yeah, I can hear music. It sure is. So, I wow. went over the call-in policy, kind of, sort of, and, um, you know, Mother's Day Sunday and that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Did you uh, go do things? Well, as I've been told for the last number of years, which I won't go over, 
Hmm. I'm not your mother. So, you know, uh, yeah, but there's somebody's mother. I have, I have a minor part in, in that, in that, um, although I, you know, I still do things, but you know, I'm not the lead role in that. So yeah, I, I, I learned that many years ago. Okay. I'm well, not your mother, and that's a money saver. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't. E- I wouldn't use that as an argument, or I wouldn't use that as a phrase. <laughs> I mean, you know. No, you, you don't say. Oh, well, that'll save me, you know, forty bucks. But um, yeah, it, it was a nice day, though. I mean, a beautiful day here up until I don't know eight or nine o'clock tonight, or something like that. But yeah. I did. I did do a project, kind of, kind of, sort of, as my part in uh, Mother's Day, and then of course help cook tonight. So you know, I participate. It's just I'm not. I'm not the uh, main person to do things. Well, nothing wrong with that. No. Um. I hear music again. Is that just me? <laughs> you got oh, music? It's, in... it's not me. Really? Yeah. Let me see what I've got on here. You got something dangling over there. I. <laughs> I think that did it. By George, I think they got rid of it. Golly, I tell you. What's this obscene thing on my phone? Where did that come from? Well, you shouldn't look at those sites. It's called. <laughs> it says Rich Love. <laughs> Call no. I... I won't give that number out. Um, so, how about you? Was your uh, had an eventful day? Yeah, it wasn't bad at all. We spent all day out at the lake, and the girls kayaked, and I fished, and it was the a great lake. Day. Yeah, I mean, we only right. have thirty lakes around Atlanta. Are you talking about uh, Alatuna? No, no, Sweetwater. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sweetwater. All right. That yeah, was nice. A beautiful day. A good day yeah. to be out in nature. It was. Well, I was out in nature. It's just I was, you know, <laughs> I was um, participating. So, but it was there nice. Go. It was a good day to do it. Indeed. Indeed it was. All right. Well. Sunday. I mean, it wasn't a, I was just saying before you came back in that it, you know, we had a little bit of stuff going on this weekend, especially since Friday. So, um, I guess we better get to it. I see we're chomping on down the clock there. Um, first thing I want to talk about is one of my favorite people in the world. AOC. Oh wow! Uh, and that you know, you do realize that's that's tongue in cheek, right? I don't. That's really not one of my favorite people. Her, anymore. her what? And her what? Her what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Um, she's looking to spend some more money. Oh, well, I bet she is. It's amazing. It's like. Somebody must have figured out we had a lot more money to spend than, than we knew about, you know, at the end of last year, because that's all they've done for the past four months is spend money. Uh, well, 
I guess it's a little over three months because you can't count it till the 20th. So um, anyway, so AOC, along with some other progressive lawmakers, are, are looking to create 1.5 million strong climate core as part of a sweeping overhaul of the way the government addresses climate change. So, you know, they're, they're pushing climate change. So now they're going to push hiring one and a half million people to do the work. Have you heard about that? No, I didn't. Yeah, uh, one and a half million people. So the Civilian Climate Corps aims to employ, like I said, uh, one and a half million young Americans. So they're even being specific who they're going to target. So I, I guess that would lead, I guess I wouldn't qualify for one of those jobs. You, you wouldn't either, unfortunately. Sorry about that, but oh, well, that's what it goes. <laughs> so, uh, young Americans putting them to work, remediating blight, maintaining our parks and natural lands, and ultimately putting them on a path to a long-term career providing support like student loan relief and child and elder care. And uh, the New York Congresswoman wrote, uh, she, she kind of touted this on Twitter um, Tuesday of last week, but I wish her all the luck in the world. <laughs> if all they're looking to do this is, is young Americans, as she says, and we don't say how young it is. Um, she continued much like the, CCC of the New Deal era of the um, GND Civilian Climate Corps, which closes the gap between those who need work and work that needs to be done. Progressives are aiming to brand their CCC as the Modern Day Civilian Conservation Corps, which, you know, was created by President uh, Franklin Roosevelt and his New Deal way back when. Uh, and that was his uh, way to help recover from the, the Great Depression of that time. Uh, the New Deal era program gave unemployed young men uh, jobs related to conserving and developing government-owned rural lands. I didn't know that it was actually uh, kind of limited to that. But the Climate Corps program will cost the United States $10 billion, at least that's what they're proposing. An aide to co-sponsor Ed Markey told Fox News the Climate Corps would be passed as part of Joe Biden's 2.3 trillion American jobs plan. And the president has already voiced his support for that initiative. The Senate Civilian Climate Corps for Jobs and Justice Act. I mean, I, who names these things? Uh, creating the new workforce was introduced last month by Senators Ed Markey, Bernie Sanders, Alex Padilla, and Kristen Gillibrand. If passed, it would seek to employ, again, it kind of repeats itself, uh, one and a half million Americans over the next five years who would make up the so-called Civilian Climate Corps. The Corporation for National and Community Service has the ability to recruit select, fund, and oversee uh, the one and a half million members of Service Corps by 2025 to complete important projects across the entire country to help address the climate crisis. Uh, other national service programs and initiatives such as the America Corps fall under the Corporation for National and Community Service. Um, 
jobs in this line, however, are not known for their excellent pay, so appear on the surface to be an odd way to tackle unemployment. In fact, usually AmeriCorps workers are seen as more as volunteers who receive a stipend and are encouraged, since they are compensated so little, to sign up for food stamps. That doesn't kind of sound like an attractive job, does it? Yeah. <laughs> um. And I just enlarged the page, and now I've lost, <laughs> I've lost my place on the article. Um, let's see. Markey and AOC are proposing Climate Corps members to be paid at least $15 an hour. Well, I guess that matches, you know, the $15 an hour minimum they want uh, nationally. Uh, they are also seeking to get Corps members other benefits like child care counseling and a $25,000 grant per year they can put towards student debt or future education. They're hoping that the Climate Corps will create a career path in the clean economy workforce of the future. The workers would receive on-the-job training and work with community groups, including unions, uh-huh, on initiatives to reduce carbon emissions, enable a transition to renewable energy, build healthier and more resilient communities, implement conservation projects with proven climate benefits, and help communities recover from climate disasters. Um, I guess that would be hurricanes, uh, earthquakes, Maybe those fires out in the West. If mm -hmm. adopted, the measure would also be paid just like all other federal spending congressional appropriations using taxpayer money. And they're hoping to get uh, most of that money from the uh, the 1% of the wealthy in this country. So good luck with that. Yeah. That's what she's wanting to do. So, you know, if yeah. you're, I don't know what young American, what age group that's going to be, they'll probably end up having to adjust that a little bit, but uh, that should be interesting to see what kind of workforce they plan that to be. Mm. Well, you know, uh, she can always go back to pouring Jaeger bombs. So, <laughs> I mean, I uh, know how to caulk. I've got a caulk gun. I can, I, I, can, <laughs> I, can I can, I can shove some insulation in a crack. Uh, um, oh, well, I mean, I can, uh, change out, uh, light bulbs and put energy efficient LED bulbs in. Oh, so, that's true. That's uh, true. maybe we, maybe we should start our own, uh, uh, uh company for, um, well, you know, it, it depends on where you go, what the new Green Deal actually means to people. I mean, go to Colorado, Oregon. Sorry, no no offense there, Jessica, but it may mean something else. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what could it mean in Colorado? That's, I mean, I mean what are you deal. insinuating that's wrong with I mean, Colorado? What? what? It's legal. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about energy conservation, uh, <laughs> not smoking. Um, no. Uh, well, I got something that uh, ought to get you fired up, too. Um, out of California, um, a U.S. Today article 
There's a California man fraudulently obtained $5 million in COVID relief loans to purchase a Ferrari, a Bentley, a Lamborghini, uh, as well, authorities say. Um, a Southern California man was arrested on federal charges Friday after federal authorities say he fraudulently obtained millions of dollars through coronavirus relief funds to buy luxurious cars, take lavish vacations, and cover personal expenses. Mustafa Quadria, a 38-year-old resident of Irvine, California, located about 40 miles southeast of L.A., obtained approximately $5 million in payment protection program funds after claiming to own four businesses in nearby Newport Beach, none of which are currently in business, according to a federal indictment. Quadri submitted claims for All American Lending Incorporated, All American Capital Holdings Incorporated, Rad Media Lab Incorporated, and AdBlock Incorporated in May and June 2020 with altered bank accounts, fake federal tax return forms, and someone else's identity according to the U.S. Attorney's Office of California. He then, the indictment adds, used the money he received to spend on vacations, personal expenses, uh, expenses, uh, a Ferrari, a Bentley, and Lamborghini sports cars. Um, All cars and $2 million from Quadriri's bank account were seized by federal agents when he surrendered himself to authorities on Friday morning. He is charged with six counts of money laundering, four counts of bank fraud, a wire fraud, and one count of aggravated identity theft. You think the PPP is part of the CARES Act that was approved by Congress in March 2020. It offered businesses employing 500 or fewer workers low-interest loans of up to $10 million, which often turn into grants to cover pandemic-related costs. The U.S. Small Business Administration said over $8.2 million worth of loans have been approved as of March 21st, that total over $718 billion. Guess where that money came from? But there uh, are have been instances of people fraudulently applying for lo- uh, funds only for them to be arrested by federal authorities. California officials have said at least $11 billion have been issued in illicit unemployment claims, according to the Los Angeles Times. Quadiri is currently being held on $100,000 bail. His trial is scheduled for June 29th. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah, I got something for you, Dirty. Um, So, yeah, I mean, you know, just, uh, just, Make up businesses. That's all you need. I mean, if you need a little little change in your pocket, you better get it and get out of the country, though, if you're going to do that. So I guess there was a lot of loopholes um, left open in that money that they printed um, and spent for us taxpayers. So glad you he can get some sports cars out of that deal. Hell of a guy. You think? Yeah. 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 They manage money so well. I know, right? Well, no. all right. So I guess you want to talk about the uh, pipeline shutting down, right? <laughs> Go right ahead, sir. It's, I mean, look, it's interesting. Everybody wants to know about it. So My, my copy says the jungler. 
jungler. The, the jungler. jungler. Supposed to be jungler. Biden. I don't know. What? Uh, anyway, the cyber attack shuts down U.S. fuel pipeline. What? Jugular. Biden. Oh, okay. Pipeline jugular. Biden is brief. I don't know. It's from. It's from. Yeah, it's it's somebody got stabbed. Uh, oh, from, it's from Reuters. Uh, Christopher Bing. I wonder if he's related oh. to the guy on on uh, Friends. And uh, Stephanie Kelly uh, wrote this article today. Actually, today's oh, the well. ninth, and yeah, how nice of it. It's, it's a fresh article. Oh, right off the presses. I mean, it's so hot that I can hardly hold it in my hand. I mean, I can smell it from here. Can you? Well, you you better <laughs> you better be checking checking stuff. Checking um, your cheek. Yep. Uh, you say cheek? Checking your cheek? Oh, I wouldn't do that right now. I've been out in the sun a lot today. Okay. Uh, top U.S. fuel line. Pipeline operator Colonial Pipeline shut its entire network, uh, the source of nearly half of the U.S. East Coast fuel supply, after a cyber attack on Friday that involved ransomware. I thought they had a app for that. And don't they do a commercial all the time for ransomware? Yeah, well, apparently they weren't spending the money to uh, take care of that. So. I mean, it's only like, what, $29 a year or something like that? They can't afford that? Come um, on, man. <laughs> no, that's the next episode. That's the next segment. <laughs> you jumped ahead. Um, the incident is one of the most disruptive digital ransom operations ever reported and has drawn attention to how vulnerable U.S. energy infrastructure is to hackers. Uh, just about everything. How about the nukes? A prolonged shutdown of the line would cause prices to spike at gasoline pumps ahead of peak summer driving season a potential blow to u.s customers and the economy although i heard them say today they didn't expect it to uh, have any effect on the prices um this is as close as you can get to the jugular there's the jugular oh of, i wonder of, where that was coming of out. infrastructure in the united states said amy myers jaffe Research professor and managing director of the Climate Policy Lab. It's not a major pipeline. It's the pipeline. Okay, now wait a minute. It's not a major pipeline. It's the pipeline. What the hell does that mean? Got me. Okay. All right. Colonial transports two and a half million barrels per day of gasoline and other fuels uh, through 5,500 miles of pipelines linking refiners on the Gulf Coast to the eastern and southeastern United States. It also serves some of the country's tar uh, largest airports, including Atlanta's Hartsfield-Jackson, the world's busiest by passenger traffic. The company said it shut down its operations after learning of a cyber attack on Friday using ransomware. Colonial Pipeline is taking steps to under stand and resolve this issue at this time our primary focus is on the safe and efficient restoration of our service and our efforts to return to normal operation they said while the u.s government investigation is in its early stages one former official and two industry sources say the hackers are likely a professional cyber criminal group do you think 
I mean, do you think it was some high schooler? The former official said investigators are looking at a group dubbed Darkside, known for deploying ransomware and extorting victims while avoiding targets in post-Soviet states. Ransomware is a type of malware designed to lock down systems by encrypting data and demanding payment to regain access. Colonial said it had an engaged a cybersecurity firm to help the investigation and contacted law enforcement and federal agencies. The cybersecurity industry sources say cybersecurity firm FireEye was brought in and responded to the attack. FireEye declined, uh, de- declined to comment. We say they were part of the clan? Uh, no, it's declined. Good. Declined. Oh. You know, <laughs> it's... It's all of this. Uh, Good no, Lord. <laughs> U.S. government uh, bodies, including the FBI. <laughs> Boy, I tell you. Uh, Reuters. I don't usually use Reuters. Said they were aware of the situation, but not did not yet have details on who was behind the attack. President Joe Biden was briefed on the incident on Saturday morning uh, after he got up. <laughs> At 11 o'clock, a White House spokesperson said, adding that the government is working to try to help the company restore operations and prevent supply disruptions. Uh, The Department of Energy said it was monitoring potential impacts to the nation's energy supply, while both the U.S. uh, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency and the Transportation Security Administration told Reuters they were working on the situation. There's a whole bunch of people working on this thing. We were we are engaged with the company and our interagency partners regarding the situation. This underscores a threat that ransomware poses to organizations regardless of size or sector, said Eric Goldstein, executive director of the Cybersecurity Division. Colonial did not give further details or say how long its pipeline would be shut. Shut. I would assume down comes after that. The privately held Georgia-based company is owned by CDPQ. Uh, So there's a Georgia connection to that. How about that? A hooded man. What? A, A hooded man holds a laptop computer as cyber code is projected on on him in this illustration. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Cybersecurity. Oh, gosh. Vulnerabilities have become a systematic issue. Um, cyber st- strategy lead at the World Economic Forum Center uh, for Cybersecurity. Unless cybersecurity measures are embedded in a technology's development phase, we are likely to see more frequent attacks on industrial systems like oil, gas pipelines, or water treatment plants. How about the power grid? The American Automobile Association said a prolonged outage of the line could trigger increase in gas prices at the pumps, a worry for consumers ahead of summer driving. A shutdown lasting four or five days, for example, could lead to sporadic outages of fuel terminals along the U.S. East Coast that depend on the pipeline for deliveries. After the shutdown was first reported on Friday, gasoline futures on the New York 
stock exchange gained six-tenths of a percent, while diesel futures rose 1.1%, both outpacing gains in crude oil. Uh, at every As every day goes by, it becomes a greater and greater impact on the Gulf Coast oil refining, said Liplo. Refiners would have to reach react by reducing crude pricing because they've lost part of the distribution system. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay. Well, that's, that's all pretty much it. Um, they're working on it. I still say, you know, why can't they use that, uh, that malware guy that has that commercial on TV all the time? Was it PC Matic? Did I lose you, Dennis Lee? I think it's PC Matic that does that commercial on TV all the time about helping you avoid that kind of stuff. Where did he go? Um, all right. Dennis Lee. <laughs> this is more like a Wednesday kind of thing. All right. Well, if you're not there, yep, you've disappeared from the board. Have mercy. Okay, well, I guess I'm going to have to uh, go on over to my next item until he can. Uh... <laughs> this is my come on, man thing. Yeah, yeah, he disappeared. He must be having some uh, transmission problems over there in his part of the world, which again is only about four or five miles away from me. So I'm going to do my, um, come on man segment here. And this is, uh, about a big brain idea from Kamala Harris talking about the reason why people are fleeing Central America. Let me see if I, I'm going to have to pull that up. I usually would have done that while Dennis Lee was talking. So bear with me. Uh, moving over here. Da, da, da. I need a little background music while I'm doing this. All right. So this is from, um, one of my favorite sites, Huckabee's um, Evening Edition newsletter. And he's talking about Kamala Harris. He goes on to say, Vice President Kamala Harris, who's been in charge of the border crisis for a month and a half, still hasn't visited, uh, hasn't visited the border as yet and is having a hard time understanding why all those people are, are streaming across the border after President Biden opened it up and stopped enforcing immigration laws. But she's finally figured it out. They're escaping the Central American weather. Thank goodness we finally have an administration that's going to do something about the weather. All right, let me click over to this and... Um, this is from actually redstate.com. And bear with me a second. I gotta, I gotta find uh, <laughs> find the Podbeam thing here. Um, 
This is um, Ted Cruz levels Kamala Harris's hilarious excuse for the border crisis. And again, this is from redstate.com. The Biden regime has been trying to, uh, hang on a second. All right. The Biden regime has been trying to spin all kinds of reasons for the border crisis that they've repeatedly denied. But now Kamala Harris has come up with a new reason for the surge at the border. And it's a, a hilarious excuse. A couple of days ago, Jen Psaki tried to blame the Trump administration for the surge, as my colleague, Sister Tolja, reported. Now, of course, that was nonsense since the border was in check until Biden started undoing the things the Trump administration had put in place, like stopping the remain in Mexico policy and stopping the construction of the wall. Moreover, the numbers under Biden show an incredible surge, the highest in years. Migrants stated that they were coming in because of the words of Biden. Even the Mexican president laid it on Biden because of his statements. But Kamala Harris's new excuse is a hoot. She has even made it to the she hadn't even made it to the border yet, mind you, yet she's going to try and sell us on why. Uh, why the excuse for the surge. Harris said there were acute causes such as food insecurity, as well as root causes such as the lack of climate adaptation and climate resilience. So ignore why migrants are actually saying they're coming. Let's concentrate on things that have existed for years and throw in climate stuff because that serves the narrative. But what does this all mean? It means they still don't understand what's going on, aren't addressing it properly, and are going to throw a boatload of money at the root causes. According to, da uh, to Town Hall, Harris has announced that $310 million in U.S. taxpayer dollars would go to Central America as part of a $4 billion regional uh, strategy to deal with the issues. Who knows how that will be spent by these systems in place in those countries that Harris herself has called corrupt in the past. Senator Ted Cruz finished off Harris's ridiculous excuse with one word. Um, oh, <laughs> I guess his one word is nope. Uh, then others piled on with a little more truth. So now it goes into a bunch of, uh, tweets that have been attached to the article. I'm not going to read all those. Um, says, let's not forget Joe Biden's own words. And then they don't even bother to give you Joe Biden's own words. All right. So anyway, so that's Kamala Harris's new excuse is the climate issues in Central America are causing all those people to come up here and we're going to give them all that money and that'll make it all better. Right. Well, that's just awesome. I mean, Kamala. so we've, we've got these governments in central America that, that are, are known to have been corrupt and probably still are to a certain degree. And we're going to give them billions of dollars. And we know that those governments are going to spend it, to make life better for the people living there, right? Oh, of course. So, of course, I mean, Delaware. what? Why, these, why would they not? Did they not teach economics in 
in the schools where Harris and all these Biden people went. I mean, <laughs> just their answer to everything is throw money at it. They might as well have a dartboard in the White House with a bunch of, you know, uh, numbers on it, you know, for billions of dollars. And then each dart represents a country. And let's just start throwing darts at the dartboard. Right. It'll do as bad as much good as what they're going to do with that, that $4 billion. So have you got your problems fixed? I was, uh, uh, yes, I, I do. Was, I, you I, know, I don't normally have technical difficulties, so <laughs> something I've, new on my end. I I had to uh, juggle here to find my next article. I was, well, I, I apologize, but, um, <laughs> So I'm going to shove my uh, second little banner there down to a second story, if that's okay. Um, You're going to what? You're going to shove where to who? I'm going to shove that into that, and then I'm going to get on with uh, the old corner project here. Well, I'm just going to – you got the floor for the next 15 or 20 minutes, so I'm going to – you know, I'll cut my mic uh, if you won't hear me snoring over here. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see if if the corner works. We'll kick off with that. Okay. Keep the so we can keep the flow going here. Um, I got it going. Let's <laughs> see if this works. There comes a time when we heed a circle, when the world must come together as one. There are people dying. Oh, when it's time to lend a hand to life, the greatest gift of Michael, aren't we? Aren't we? We're all a part of it. Um, anyways, welcome to the corner. Um, I thought that was appropriate for some of the stuff here. Uh, Lord knows we need a little bit of that unification lately, but um, I got three little quick ones here for the corner. Um, how about um, there's uh, they're saying there's actually proof that there's life on Ha, Mars. I know you were thinking that was someplace else, but oh, no, I Mars. Wasn't, I wasn't going um, to feed into it. And, and BP's not here, so we don't. We oh, don't have, okay. Well, he would have provoked me on that one. He um, would have. An article in BGR by Mike Wenner um, says we know there are no large, complex my, uh, life forms on Mars. Well, you know that's. As, as, as of yet, nothing's come out of a cave or anything. We know this because we've sent so much hardware to the Red Planet that we definitely should have seen it by now. But microbial life and perhaps even something like fungi might still be hiding out somewhere. Uh, missions like NASA's Perseverance rover could eventually find something that shows life once existed or perhaps still exists on Mars. But what if we already have the evidence? What if we've seen life on Mars but just didn't realize what we were looking at? A a new paper published in Advances in Microbiology suggests that close-up images of of the surface of Mars reveal the presence of fungal life alive and well on the red planet. 
It's an incredibly bold claim, but the researchers provide an impressive argument to go along with images that do appear to show something odd happening on the Martian soil. The paper produces a wealth of potential evidence that various forms of fungi-like life may exist on the red planet. Some images show what appear to be white patches resembling lichen covering parts of the surface, while others show spherical structures that the researchers suggest may be a akin to puffball fungi on Earth. They even provide <laughs> images of what they say is bacterial growth on the Opportunity rover that appears to grow over time. I mean, nothing a little uh, toe fungus spray might take care of. Fungi thrive in radiation-intense environments, the researchers write. Sequential photos document that fungus-like Martian specimens emerge from the soil and increase in size, including those resembling puffballs or basidiomycota. After obliterating of spherical specimens over by the rover wheels, new spherical, some with stalks, appeared atop the crest of old tracks. Sequences document that thousands of black arctic Arania forms grow up to 300 meters in the spring and disappear by winter, a pattern repeated each spring and which may represent massive colonies of black fungi, mold, lichens, algae, uh, meth uh, methanogens, and sulfur-reducing uh, species. Black fungi bacteria-like specimens also appear atop the rovers. In a series of photographs over three days, White amorphous specimens with, within a crevice change shape and location, then disappear. Some of the photos the researchers included appear to be images NASA has already addressed and debunked as signs of life. The so-called puffballs appear to be the blueberries that NASA has observed in various places on Mars. And don't get those confused with other things you've seen on the Internet. These orbs are thought to be the result of mineral buildup within rocks and subsequent erosion. Some of the other images are a bit harder to explain, but NASA has yet to actually suggest that anything it has photographed on Mars is actually evidence of life. There are many geological processes that can mimic biological processes. NASA appears eager to find evidence of life, either in the present or in the past, but we'll have to wait until some truly undeniable evidence emerges before we can celebrate such a discovery although that there was a different article over the weekend that actually showed pictures of uh fungi of, of uh, basically mushrooms on mars and they'll probably bring those back on a uh, on a recovery mission and uh get some poor human lab rat to try them and see what happens to them i mean mk ultra does that ring a bell um so yeah, we'll uh, we'll uh, keep track of that as as you know we we don't know what we'll find there. Um, and then the next quick one here, the Business Insider: the bodies of as many as 750 COVID-19 victims are still stored in refrigerated trucks in New York City. And this is an article as reported by Sarah Alashani. Um, and, and it says that the bodies of as many as 750 COVID-19 victims being stored in uh, refrigerated trucks in New York City a year after the height of the pandemic in April 2020. 
The bodies are stored in long-term temporary morgue at the South Brooklyn Marine Terminal. CNN reported that the height of the pandemic last year, over 800 deaths were recorded in a single day, with an average of more than 500 a day uh, the week of April 5th. The surge in the COVID-19 deaths led to use of freezer trucks as makeshift morgues on outside of hospitals. You know, we all remember those pictures. <clears throat> Long-term storage was created at the height of the pandemic to ensure that families could lay their loved ones to rest as they see fit. Mark Desire, a spokesman for the medical examiner offices, uh, told the Associated Press, with sensitivity and compassion, we continue to work with individual families on a case-by-case basis during their period of mourning. Diana Maniotis, uh, executive deputy commissioner with the medical examiner's office, said most of the bodies could end up on Heart Island. Uh, sounds like the dog collar place. Yeah. You know, the people who make dog collars, uh, nothing to be disrespectful, but it does sound weird, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> where, where for the past 100 years, the city has buried those who were poor or unclaimed. Can you imagine that your, your loved one has to go there? Um, Maniosis said most families of the victims remaining in the trucks have said they want their loved one buried on Hart Island. Why? Why would you want your loved one buried on on an island where poor or unclaimed people are sent to for the past 100 years? I mean, nothing against those individuals who are buried there, but but I mean, come on. Um, Can you imagine those bodies being in those freezers since, um, you know, since last year? Well, I mean, so they're stored in refrigerated trucks. I mean, right. uh, you have to keep those that things running the all the time. Yeah, you do. I mean, God forbid they go out for a couple of days. Um, can you imagine afterwards oh. and then they go back to oh. whatever uh, delivery service that they used to have? Oh, um, no. 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 Well, we'll, uh, we'll round out with one from the Insider. Um, that uh, vegan couple banned from owning pets after feeding their severely malnourished puppies a meat-free diet. Puppies need to have meat, people. Uh, this is a article by Joshua Zitzer. Um, so an Austra- uh, Australian couple has been banned from <laughs> owning pets for three years and fined around $7,000 for feeding their emaciated dogs a vegan diet. Freaking dogs are not supposed to be vegans, people. According to ABC Australia, James McKenzie and Megan Price from Cow Bay in Queensland were each charged with two counts of failing to treat an animal (laughs) and one count of failing to comply with animal welfare direction, the news outlet reported. The couple had their bull Arab puppies seized from their property in May 2020 after the Royal Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, or the RSPCA, found the starving pets in a terrible condition, ABC Australia said. The puppies named Rue and Ula had reportedly been fed a diet consisting only of chickpeas, quinoa, rice, and grains. Really? Really? A search warrant found that no dog food, meat products, or bowls of water were available at the property on uh, the mailing, uh, the main, the mail online, online said, um, not even water, really? 
Um, the RSPCA had made several visits prior to seizing the pets following reports of animal cruelty, according to ABC Australia. Um, one of the earlier visits, Rue was underweight, unable to stand, and to suffer from stomach blisters, the news outlet reported. The dog had an injured back leg and was put in a homemade cast because McKenzie and Price could not afford vet treatment, ABC Australia said. Well, you know what? Then you shouldn't own freaking dogs. And you can't afford to feed them or give them water or put them, you know, in there and, and, and the needed, give them the needed medical treatment. Um, uh-huh. At a later visit, McKenzie reportedly <laughs> confronted RSPCA staff. Who was that? Um, you eat murdered animals. You will never be like us. We are vegans and love animals. But, you know, we'll just let them die peacefully, apparently. Um, she said, according to the Mail Online, um, she she didn't say the die peacefully thing. I threw that in there. Yeah. Stupid vegans. Eventually, the animals were rescue, rescued and went and underwent emergency medical treatment. Veterinarian Paul Matthews described the dogs as emaciated and suffering from severe malnourishment and nutritional imbalance because of being fed an inappropriate diet for approximately three months. ABC Australia said, well, I guess, you know, they just decided, hey, we're going to be vegans. And guess what? You dogs are going to be vegans, too. Um, unfortunately, Ula's condition in, uh, or fortunately, Ula's condition improved and he was eventually rehomed and renamed Scrappy Doo. His front paws, however, had been permanently disfigured. Uh, because of the malnourishment, the media outlet reported, Rue was unfortunately put down after three vets had concerns about his quality of life due to chronic pain. You sorry sons of bitches, um, the Newsweek said. Actually, they didn't say that. I did. <laughs> Stupid well, vegans. Well, there's a surprise. Um, yeah. Well, you know what? Some people just shouldn't own, you know, they, they do good to take care of themselves. They definitely shouldn't own pets. So that's just a word to the wise. If you're if you're in the vegan life, don't feed your pets vegan food. They don't give a rat's ass if you want to be a vegan or not. They still want a little meat. You know, they're animals for goodness sakes. Right. Um, so, um, you know, um, let's end out with some harmony. I mean, my goodness. Yeah, you got a choice to feed your dog to crap with me then. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah. Have you ever seen those, that commercial for the, I think it's ASPCA where they show all those dogs that have been starved and mistreated i mean that's, that's oh well that's when the arms of the angel song comes on with sarah mclaughlin yeah and usually you're sitting down and eating something anyway <laughs> yeah. um you're like <laughs> you know you're like i know it's horrible calling them up giving them money they do the same thing with the um saint jude's you know usually in the middle of eating so it's always oh, yeah. around, all around those dinner time you're right um, and just just push the food away and write a check um, geez. Yeah. Yeah. They, these people that, that mistreat animals, you know, we, there have been a number of stories last year 
about them raiding places that, you know, even around here in Georgia where uh, they found, you know, 30 and 40 dogs uh, barely alive. And uh, they just, you know, those people need to spend some serious time. Well, yeah, those are the people that need to go to, um, you know, they need to send their ass to that heart island and just (laughs) go ahead and, you know, put them in a hole. I mean... I was thinking about Guantanamo Bay. I thought maybe they either way uh, get down there where they don't waterboard people anymore. Uh Oh yeah, well allegedly (laughs) we need the information. Uh, Okay, but something uplifting. There you go. Glad I could help. All right. Well, I I feel uplifted. There you (laughs) go. So I think you're still you still got time. Oh, okay. Well, let me go ahead and get uh, let me go ahead and get that second banner out because this would actually raise your blood pressure too. Everything I've got is um, you know aimed to please. So, um, so there's an article in the National Review that by Christopher F. Rufo that California shaking housing entitlement for the homeless. How about this, California? What a winner! Sorry, slightly. In 2016, influential political leaders, activists, and media outlets in Los Angeles said they had a simple solution to homelessness. Build more housing. I mean, you know, it's only tax money. They claimed that rising rents had thrown people onto the streets and that by providing free, permanent, supportive housing, cities could reduce the number of people on the streets. In response, 77% of Los Angeles voters approved a $1.2 billion bond for the construction of 10,000 units for the city's homeless. That commitment made Los Angeles the key testing ground for the housing first approach that has become the dominant policy idea on homelessness for West Coast cities. Um, you know, in years since Housing First has taken even greater hold around the West Coast, as cities including Seattle and San Francisco are preparing to commit billions of dollars to a program whose track record, uh, record remains woefully underexamined, really. Uh, Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti recently declared that we need to have an entitlement to housing. Do we now? Um, California Governor Gavin Newsom went a step further. I bet he did, arguing that doctors should be able to write prescriptions for housing the same way they do for insulin or antibiotics. Well, what what a winner. I'm glad that he is your governor. Um, Yeah. I don't don't understand that. Yeah. Yeah. well, it's just uh, they want Gavin Newsom to just put everybody who's homeless in a house. And, you know, you're homeless. What are you? What are you doing? I'm homeless. Well, here's your house. Well, who's, Don't worry yeah, about I it. mean, who's going to uh, supply the house? Well, the uh, taxpayers, Donald Wayne, they've already, the, they've already voted on it and that they're going to make it happen. I mean, the taxpayers didn't vote on it. We don't need the taxpayers to vote on it. No. Um, but the project has been plagued by construction delays, massive cost overruns, really, and accusations of corruption. Oh, I, I mean, I just can't believe it. The Los <laughs> Angeles City Controller issued a scathing report, the high cost of homeless housing, which shows that some studio and one-bedroom apartments were costing taxpayers more than $700,000 each. 
Really? That's surprising. With 40% of total cost devoted to consultants, lawyers, fees, and permitting. The project is a boon for real estate developers and a constellation for nonprofits and service providers, but a boondoggle for taxpayers. Oh, really? You know, like they they should come first anyway. Um, Meanwhile, unsheltered homelessness has increased 41%. Even if one accepts that permanent supportive housing is the solution, there are currently more than 66,000 homeless people in Los Angeles County alone. Political leaders, activists, and academics have insisted that Housing First is an evidence-based intervention that reduces homelessness, saves taxpayers money, really doesn't sound like it, and improves <laughs> lives. So I get an idea. Why don't you move them into your freaking house? Just add a bedroom onto your house and move them on in, and let's see how it goes. Um, supporters frequently argue that the program reduced costs in a study of chronic alcoholics in Seattle. Really? <laughs> you mean the rioters? That's a good uh, group to consistently to consistently demonstrates high retention rates in multiple academic surveys and eliminated chronic homelessness in Utah. Okay. Um, these studies, however, are not as persuasive as activists suggest. Although the study of chronic alcoholics in Seattle does show a net reduction in monthly social service costs of $2,449 per person, this figure does not include $11 million in capital and construction costs for the housing units themselves. In other words, housing first saves money if the cost of housing is not included. Well, that makes total sense. Claims that studies show a one-year retention rate of roughly 80% for housing first participants are questionable. In a meta-study of three best-in-class housing first sites, researchers found that 43% remained in housing for the first 12 months. 41% were intermittent stayers who left and returned. You know, it's hard to get that out of your blood. And, And 16% abandoned the program or died within the first year. Um, God rest their souls. Jeez. These findings challenge the argument that housing first is a long-term solution to homelessness. It's not just shelter people. You gotta have. You gotta be able to help um, with mental health and be able to find jobs. I mean, finally, advocates and the media have long touted Utah as the gold standard of housing first. Yet Utah's celebrated results were not the result of housing first policies, but apparently clerical manipulation by state officials. Oh, I mean, I can't believe it. According to the Desert News and economist um, Kevin Corinth, as much as 85% of Utah's touted reductions in chronic homelessness may have been due to changes in how the homeless were counted. Moreover, between 2016 and 2018, the number of unsheltered homeless in Utah nearly doubled. The recent debate about budgetary metrics of housing retention and cost reductions obscures a deeper question. What happens to the human beings in these programs? The results, according to the vast majority of studies, point to a grim conclusion. Housing first does not meaningfully improve the lives of unsheltered homeless. The people in tents, cars, and on the streets who often suffer from more severe challenges. 
In theory, Housing First would address problems of substance abuse and mental health and mental and physical health. In every program, residents are offered a wide range of services. At the Pathways to Housing program in New York City, residents are served by an interdisciplinary team of professionals that include social workers, nurses, psychiatrists, and vocational and substance abuse counselors who are available to assist consumers um, seven days a week to 24 hours a day. However, despite this massive intervention, the Pathways program shows no reduction in substance abuse or psychiatric symptoms over time. In fact, those conditions often worsened. This basic finding is confirmed by a study showing that residents of Housing First programs showed no improvement regarding addiction and mental illness. They are housed, but broken, racked by the cruelest psychosis, compulsions, and torments, all under the guise of medical care. Does it sound like a moneymaker? Them building these freaking shelters? You got realtors involved. You got the construction crews involved. You know, uh, lawyers. Um, One explanation may be that Housing First programs operate on the harm reduction model, which allows residents to continue using drugs such as alcohol, heroin, and methamphetamines and does not require mental health treatment as a condition of residency. Just get them in the freaking shelter and off the streets. That doesn't fix the problem. Does it? Widespread addiction often becomes the norm within these programs because you can just wander in and wander out. Housing First advocates insist that their policy is working. Is it? But the real world evidence from cities such as Los Angeles challenges this narrative. If Housing First was demonstrated anything, it is this. It provides a stable residential environment for the homeless to live out their pathologies administered by the social scientific sector and subsidized by the public. Good job, California. That's where your tax dollars are going to. Thanks, Gavin Newsom. You've just put a gold standard out there for ruining people's lives. I mean, if you're going to help people, help people. Just getting them off the streets and hiding them in a shelter is not going to do the trick. Get your head out of your ass. I got a whole mess of questions about all that. Yeah, right, right. Um, So they don't actually give them ownership of the house. They're just allowed to stay in the house, right? No, they're just creating shelter. Shelter, so if one fails, wanders back out into the street or dies off, you can just shove somebody else in there. Um, The other thing is, so do they build neighborhoods? Uh, or do they put these houses in existing neighborhoods? No, they, no, these are the new developments. So new a developments whole subdivision like just for these kind of houses. Well, subdivisions and, and you know, new, um, almost like condominiums, apartment type places, you know, um, they're all different kinds of models that are you being know, built. You have to look at, at who's making money off of these things, but, but, you know, not only you've got the house, but you've got utilities, you've got, I would assume right. that somebody has insurance on the house in case it burns well, yeah. down. Well, of course, the state, the state would have to own it or the realtor who has been put or the um, um, some kind of uh, property management company or somebody's going to have to be put in, 
and ownership of this and re- and be responsible for it. I mean, yeah, wonder- I mean, they can't afford, they don't have jobs. They're still s- struggling with addictions or, you know, someone's going to have to pay for all those utilities. I mean, one of the things about some of the missions, you know, that, that allow people to stay, you know, the shelters is that they do not allow them to use drugs in the, in the mission or while they're staying right. there. Exactly. And it, also doesn't allow them to stay there during the day, I guess, unless the, it's extreme weather or something. They, and, so, and, Jessica, and Jessica's right. You cannot help someone unless they are ready to get help. Knowing well, well, that's know, a, that being close to, to home, I mean, that you you know, you know, just can't do it. Offering shelter is not the, the cure. That's just going to enable them to continue the kind of uh, destructive lives they already have if they don't right. have people going in there and, and no restrictions on what they and, do. Right. And then if you've got a whole community of them in the same area, I mean, come on. So, uh, yeah, I just say uh, that's some more of the more of the common sense ideas but, that are coming out of California. But again, um, it goes back to, you know, people are probably making money off of that. And that's probably the root oh, to this whole issue. They found well, a way, you know, to make money. Well, that's what they said, that they were um, it, it was riddled uh, with corruption, you know, because you've got consultants that are involved. You got lawyers. Um, you got the builders, um, you know, all, all kinds of individuals that have their hands in this. And, um, you know, they're making money. So, and they're making money off of the taxpayers in California. I, at I remember. Cost of about $700,000 a unit. <laughs> Something that Bill Maher was saying, um, you know, and again, I don't, I'm not a big fan of Bill Maher, although he has seemed to uh decided to start criticizing liberals a little bit more since biden's become president but he mentioned in one of his monologues that uh i think he'd been waiting almost three years to get uh, a permit to have solar panels installed in his house in california wherever he lives i don't know if he lives near la or whatever but um so you know even the permit uh portion of, of of government out there in california is probably corrupt in the fact oh, that you can't that. you know probably ha- of course he should have enough money to pay somebody to get his permit but i just you know they tout these things like hey look what we're doing for people and and then but if you lift the sheet and look up under there uh well there's probably 30 people making money off of that thing of course, they could, they could care less about what I mean. Where's the program for sending if they're going to have something like that? Where's the program for sending people in, you know, social workers and 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 people who can work with them and trying to get them off drugs and and work with their psychological problems and just well, right? Because if we don't start working with the mental illness um, part of of addiction, then nothing's ever going to get any better. We can, you know, we can work on, on trying to stop the flow of drugs in this country all we want, but you stop it from coming in on the border is still going to be, um, it's still going to be, you know, uh, put, you know, created in here within the United States and distributed. So you're not really going to stop the supply of drugs. You need to deal with the mental illness part of it, the addiction part of it. 
uh, and give the help. We're putting all of our efforts and our money in the wrong into the wrong programs. You know, you got to look at who's coming up with the programs and who this is really going to benefit. Yeah, I like mean, benefit a lot of uh, a lot of uh, outfits that are that are building these places in the first place. People have said that there's no money in solving problems, social problems. No. Um, just like a lot of the issues, you know, that we've talked about with Black Lives Matter and some of the social issues that we have still today, 40, 50 years after they should have been, you know, uh, resolved. But right. there's a lot of people that make a living off of dealing with that. And exactly. uh, so you got to look at that. I mean, it. It's not just conspiracy. It's people who have found a way to game the system and, and get rich. See, that, look and see who's behind the curtain. Yeah. <laughs> see who Oz really is. That's right. All right. Well, so I wonder, uh, this is kind of a sidebar on that, but, uh, and I don't have an answer. Uh, the, um, habitat for humanity thing that, uh, that we do here in Georgia. I wonder if they do that anywhere else in the country, Jimmy Carter's oh. program. I wonder if it goes on anywhere else. Of course, that's well, too slow know, to solve a problem like they have there. In, right. In California. And, and, and look, not all these, not all these programs that provide housing are a bad deal. You know, some no. you know, the habitat habitat for humanity is, is, is totally different. Um, but it puts you know, people uh, in there that are actually, they have <clears> jobs and they're working and, and, it's 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 just helping them have a you know stable home or their first right. home, but but right. they're they're also helping themselves. So uh, right. and those people also have to participate in the in the construction of those homes. Uh, right. I only got to work on one when I was working for that company years ago, and I really enjoyed it because I got to meet the lady that was going to get the house, and she was there with her tool pouch on, and she was uh, doing drywall stuff. And, and, uh, it, it was, it was a good experience. I, w- I would have liked to have done that more than I got to do it. But, uh, those kind of people, you, you know, those situations you feel good about, but again, right. that's too slow to help the homeless because you can't build those. It takes usually five, six months to build one of those homes and they actually give them to the, uh, to the person. So, Right, so they can't be taken away from them, right? Right, yes. So they can't lose it, but I don't know. That it's no surprise. California is leaving a few things out. That uh, I mean, that's not fixing a problem. That's just moving them from one place to another. Okay, it's funny that you used uh, use uh, you mentioned the name. Um, uh, Chris Rufo, because I've yeah. actually been looking at a lot of articles by him lately. I've used several, used several on many pods yeah, by Chris he, um, Rufo. He's he's a busy guy. He's yeah. a busy guy. Um, so my next story is, is it starts out on Newsmax, and I read this article, and this is not this particular article, but I read an article a couple of weeks ago that. Uh, that Disney has decided they're going to relax their uh, personal hygiene and, and their uniform requirements, their dress codes for 
employees at Disney World. They're not oh, going. They don't, they don't have to wash their hands anymore. No, they're going to be able to have piercings and uh, you know long hair, blue hair, whatever they want to do, more to make them more comfortable in the job environment. Oh wow! You know, uh, you know, want snowflakes breaking down on the job. Yeah. So you know, but now they've gone a step further. I mean, that was bad enough. I'd already decided uh, that I'm I'm pretty much through Disney World. I've been there three times, and uh, I loved it. But uh, you know, with this culture change, and especially after this article, I'm going to read to you now. Um, oh, I'm through with Disney World. I'm through with a lot of businesses here in, in the country, but, uh, um, I've given up Coke. Well, cocaine is a hell of a drug. I've I've kicked Coke. (laughs) No longer doing Coke. Um, He's been rehabilitated. Dr. Pepper. So this story is from Newsmax and, um, it's, it's by Nick Costabanis, Costabanis. Costosabonis, or I don't oh, know. Bless Nick. Him. Let's just call him Nick. And uh, it says Disney's employees undergo critical race theory training. We knew it was coming to Disney World. It's going everywhere. Of course, you know, Disney is a big conglomerate now, so it's it's no longer a Walt Disney thing anymore. So um so I got this article in it. It refer it, it um there's something attached to it that I'm going to go into next, but this is short here. It says Disney's critical race theory training docs for employees were revealed by whistleblower Chris Rufo or Christopher Rufo, as you said, a conservative activist and documentary documentary, that guy, filmmaker, documentary. Thank you. Filmmaker. Uh, I've obtained internal documents that will shock you, Rufo wrote on Threadreader, which I'm going to next. Pictures of a handbook titled Reimagine Tomorrow appear on one of Rufo's Twitter posts with the accompanying message. According to a trove of whistleblower materials, Disney has launched a diversity and inclusion program called Reimagine Tomorrow, which includes training on uh, systemic racism white privilege, white fragility, white saviors, microaggressions, and anti-racism. Disney, the now owner of such franchises as ESPN, Lucasfilms, oh, there goes my Indiana Jones, uh, Marvel and ABC states in their handbook, America has a long history of systemic racism and transphobia and states its employees should take ownership of educating yourself about structural anti-black racism and not rely on your black colleagues to educate you. The handbook states white colleagues should work through feelings of guilt, shame, and defensiveness to understand what is beneath them and what needs to be healed. They need to listen with empathy to black colleagues, but not to question or debate black colleagues lived experience. One such image in the handbook shows a kid in a wheelchair who cannot see over the fence alongside a person who is standing up, looking over the fence, watching a soccer game. This image was labeled equality. It is juxtaposed with another picture of the same kid in a wheelchair with a ramp to see the soccer game. 
That image is labeled equity. Disney State's employees must reject equality and strive for equity, or put another way, equality of outcome. In so doing, employees are urged to reflect on America's racist infrastructure and think carefully about whether or not wealth comes from racist means. Disney suggests its employees should read into 75 things white people can do for racial justice, which list groups or activities such as defund the police, participate in reparations, decolonize your bookshelf. What the hell is that? And, and find and join a local white space. What is that? Oh, it sounds racist. Disney has launched several what it calls affinity groups that appear loosely defined as a business advocacy group for minorities. Its Latin group is called Ola. Its Asian group is called Compass. And its black group is called Wakanda. So, so Disney's um, taking the plunge. And so that references on Threadreader, which goes to the Christopher Rufo article, which it says, uh, or he says, the Walt Disney Corporation claims that America was founded on systemic racism, encourages employees to complete a white privilege checklist and separates minorities into racially segregated affinity groups. Now he's he says I've obtained I've obtained internal documents that will shock you, and he's showing some of them here on this uh, thread thread reader site. Um, I think I've already said that Disney claims uh, I've said that. And it shows that little uh, equity and equality thing they were referencing there a minute ago. Uh, now, it goes down to uh, next participants are asked to complete a white privilege checklist. I am white. I am heterosexual. I am a man. I still identify as the gender I was born in. I have never been raped. I don't rely on public transportation. And I have never been called a terrorist. These are some of the things that are on the checklist. Um, let's see if I can read this. It references on here white privilege. Uh, and then I guess these are things that people with white privilege can say. I can take a job with an affirmative action employer without having my coworkers on the job suspect that I got it because of my race. I am never asked to speak for all the people of my racial group. I can worry about racism without being seen as a self-interested or self-seeking. I feel welcomed and normal in the usual walks of public life, institutional and social. But the biggest thing here is there's, like it, it, it says, there's a 75-item uh, checklist, and it's called self-assessment. And it says, how privileged are you? So it, it asks you to check off each one of these things on this list, and it says that the more checks that you have on this list, the more privileged you are or have been. And I'm just going to, I'm going to try to just hit some highlights. Um, 
I have never been the only person in my race in a room. Now, each one of these you're supposed to check off if if you if this fits your situation. I've never been called a racial slur. I've never been told I sound white. A stranger has never asked to touch my hair or ask if it is real. Um, I have never been ostracized for my religion, for my sexual orientation. I am comfortable in the gender I was born in. I've never felt unsafe because of my gender. My family and I have never lived below the poverty line. Um, I don't have any student loans. I have never gone to bed hungry. I've never been homeless. My parents pay some of my bills. My parents pay all of my bills. Uh, I don't rely on public transportation. I've never felt poor. I have, I have had an unpaid internship. I have never worked as a waiter, a barista, bartender, or a salesperson. I've never been called a terrorist. Nobody has ever tried to save me for my religious beliefs. Um, I've never been shamed for my religious beliefs. I've never been shamed for my body type. I have never attempted suicide. I've never considered suicide. I've never been depressed. I do not have any social disabilities. My parents are still married. My parents are both alive. My parents are heterosexual. I have frequent flyer miles is on the list. I spent spring breaks abroad. I've never skipped a meal to save money. Um, I've always had cable and internet. I've traveled internationally. Um, I had a car in high school. I had a $50 car that my ha my dad had to tow home. Yeah, I had a car in high school. Um, I went to summer camp. So all these things are on there. And the more you check, the more privileged your life has been. Um, so these, these, these employees of Disney, when you go to work for Disney, you're going to be given this along with some other materials and they want you to check this off. And, um, so you can decide whether or not that you've lived a privileged life. So somebody's decided that if you, you know, heaven forbid somebody checks off all 75, I guess they're super, uh, privileged in their life. But so if Disney can do that, I mean, we've already talked about some, uh, we had that uh, company in California that was sending people uh, to this, some of these, uh, I want to say privileged um, seminars, uh, racist seminars, you know, to decide if, you know, if you part of white privilege. So it's not just happening to places like Disney. It's happening to other companies across the country. We're just, we just hear about them, you know, uh, one at a time, uh, maybe two or three a month. And it probably goes on more than that. So this is what the people at Disney, they're going to be trained to do. 
I can't imagine how how that's going to change the the mm. Disney experience um, to have all of these employees down there that are woke and uh, just I, I just so I'm I'm glad I've had my three trips <laughs> and I don't have to go back anymore. It's gotten yeah, too well. expensive anyway. I mean I think you can almost go to a foreign country for what you can spend at Disney World for three or four days. Well, I don't. I don't ride any of those rides anyway. So, I mean, it's, it's all lost on me. I rode some of them, and it was. I mean, I have to say, it was a fun experience. And and uh, about three or four years ago, went to Universal Studios, and um, of course, I ended up sitting there with my grandson because of the rides he couldn't ride, and everybody else was riding the rides. You know, they wanted to ride and. And he and I would sit there and watch them go by and he'd say, would you ride that grandpa? I said, no, I'm not. No, nothing that goes upside down for, you know, 30 or 40 yards. I don't have any interest in. Yeah, not happening. I, you know, I'd rather go to a resort down in Mexico or someplace like <laughs> oh, don't that. Don't go to Mexico. <laughs> and why not? Um, you know, or go, go to, a, to a resort somewhere that's all inclusive. You know, you can drink all you want, eat all you want. And, uh, you know, you don't have to people if you don't want to. Right. Um, why would I spend all that money? You could spend less money going to resort than you could at old Disney anyway. So, I mean, it, it was it was fun. Um, it's it's a, a neat place. The atmosphere was kind of neat. And nighttime, I always like the the amusement parks better at night with the lights and everything. Anyway, and of course, Disney has the fireworks and. But I, I'm just afraid that these kind of thought processes that they're allowing the employees to go through. I mean, they're politicizing everything that mm. people are doing. And I, I just, you know, I have no use for them anymore. I'm glad I got my time in. I just I feel sorry for people that, uh, you know, would like to go down there. And um, the experience is not going to be the same. It's um, I, unless you're, you know unless you're a liberal minded and, and that stuff doesn't bother you, but right. I I can imagine with, with the uh, relaxed you, I mean, the whole part of Disney was their mindset and the way they treated people and, and the way they interacted with the people there uh, was, you know, was a program was a thing to make people enjoy the park and uh, can you imagine you just give people a lot of room to just be themselves and what kind of <laughs> what kind of experience that's going to be? Right. Yeah, come on, man. You need to get on this ride. If you're not coming on, you just get the hell out of the way. All right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, you know, we want to continue to push the blood pressure. Um, then I've got an article from the Washington Examiner on how Biden's war on small business to blame for disappointing job numbers, business groups say. This is an article by Lawrence Richard. Um, so business groups are blaming President Joe Biden after the most recent jobs report showed a far lower number of new jobs compared to what experts predicted. Because Lord knows that plenty of businesses need employees the yeah. disappointing job report makes it clear that paying people not to work is dampening what should be a stronger jobs market 
The U.S. Chamber of Commerce said in a statement shortly after the new jobs report was released on Friday. Experts predicted new jobs would boom as the coronavirus vaccine became more available and coronavirus-related lockdowns and restrictions were lifted. But Biden's Department of Labor reported that 266,000 new jobs were created in the month of April, well short of economists' prediction that one million new jobs would be created. The chamber said businesses are unable to hire as the additional $300 in weekly federal unemployment benefits may be decentivizing um, new hires. And, uh, you know, sidebar, I've talked to plenty of people in different fields over the past two weeks, and they've all said um, that we can't get people to come in and work. They're fine with collecting their check at home. Um, the results in approximately one in four recipients taking home more in unemployment than they earned working, the chamber said. Job Creators Network President and CEO Alfred Ortiz and co-founder of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, Stephen Moore, a contributor to the Washington Examiner, Examiner released a joint statement saying that other restrictions the Biden administration continues to impose are preventing economic recovery. As we've been saying all along, the extension of unemployment benefits would hurt our recovery. And now we're seeing that in real time. Additionally, President Biden's relinquishing leadership to the teachers union on reopening schools has prevented people from getting back to work. Because if anybody has looked at the price of childcare for one week and then factored in what you're bringing in on unemployment, it's cheaper for you to stay home and watch your own kids. Uh, kids should be back in the classroom. And once summer comes, uh, you know, back at camp, the science shows that it's safe and it will allow parents to get back to work, they said. Um, you know, if the state will let them. Led by small business, America is poised to renew its pre-COVID boom, but the Biden administration needs to stay out of the way. On issues ranging from taxes to the minimum wage to organized boycotts, the Biden administration is waging a war on small businesses, and that needs to end. Our message to President Biden is simple. Hey, Joe. Why don't you just head back to the basement and stop breaking what ain't broken? The duo continued. National Federation of Independent Business Chief Economist, uh, Economist Bill Dunklenberg told Fox News that some businesses that offer additional hiring incentives have been able to find success in bringing back workers. Many small business owners who are trying to hire are finding themselves unsuccessful and are having to delay the hiring or offer higher wages. Hell, I know I've seen it on signs for fast food places are offering incentives. They're actually posting on their signs what they will offer to hire you and a bonus if you you know stay for so long or, or just the, the, the hint of a bonus at all. It's, it's, it's insane. Um, you know, some owners are offering show up bonuses for workers who agree to take the job and actually show up for work. Is that not the stupidest <laughs> load of crap that you have ever heard of in your life? Oh, yeah. Um, you get me going on that one. 
I mean, you know, and if I hear, you know, and I, I was saying this, I've been saying this the past couple of weeks. If I hear one person that says, well, I don't know, you know, jobs are so hard to find. Are they really? No, no. And, and I haven't heard anybody say that and they shouldn't because jobs are available in every line of work that you can think of, even the police force. And you can imagine they can't get anybody with the whole defund the police movement. I mean, they're jacking their pay up because they can't get anybody and they're lowering their standards. That's what you do when you create a defund the police movement. They lower their standards on who the hell they're going to bring in to be able to work in their police force in the first place. So you're not doing anything but, you know, um, creating a more toxic environment, you know. So, I mean, it's just it's just all of this is affecting us on, on so many different levels and none of them are any good. Yeah, but yeah, you know, Biden, keep rolling out that extra $300 a week. You know, it's doing a lot of good. Well, that's, that's what, that's what's laughable about this thing that Ocasio-Cortez is, is supporting about this, uh, you know, this, uh, hiring these young people to, to go out and do all these green projects more or less. Um, Mm. I mean, and, you know, I don't know what you're going to have to pay them. They're not going to go to work for $15 an hour, uh, especially if yeah. they've been getting all these other benefits. And if you're doing other things for them, it's going to be hard to get people to go to work. And then, of course, you know, we talked about this several months ago about some of these uh, communities. I, I think there was one or two in California that um, that are coming up with these guaranteed income programs uh of course they're they're trial programs but they've even talked about it in the federal government there's been people up there ocasio cortez and and bernie sanders have talked about uh there's a need in this country for a guaranteed income for everybody well that's going to get a lot of people to go to work mm-hmm. i mean all i need is um you know <laughs> fifteen hundred dollars a week and i'm good so uh just this whole mindset, they're actually destroying the incentive to work in this country, um, which is something that we didn't, you know, my generation, we didn't really have a choice. You either got out there and if you didn't work, there wasn't a whole lot of social programs that would help you, uh, you know, to fall back on. So you, you didn't work, you didn't eat, and you probably didn't have a place to live. Right. So, um and I have slept in my car more than once in my life, not in the last 30 years. <laughs> well, maybe 40 years. But, um, you know, we, we, we make it, we're, we've got all these parachutes for people now. And parachutes should be for people, you know, in certain situations, certain conditions, uh, through no fault of their own. But not all these deadbeats that take advantage of these programs and will, won't go back to work until there's nothing else free for them to take. Right. So good luck getting people to go back to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, there, there's, there's just no, no pride self pride and, and, and working and taking care of yourself. We've eliminated yeah. that thought process in this country. No, who needs to work when, you know, they'll just give you a check. I mean, you know, well, you just need a paper showing that you've actually looked for work. Um, <laughs> hey, you wouldn't mind, you know, you got y'all hiring here. Yeah. For how much? Well, you know, 10 bucks an hour. Do you mind signing down here that I came in and asked you for a job? Oh, sure. Why not? Um, is that further my tax money? 
Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing a lot of good with it. So. Yeah. What I would do is I would love for somebody had the opportunity to have one of those come in and talk to me. Would you sign this for, Oh no, man, you got a job. Come on. You can start to work tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, I'm, well, wait I'm a minute now. I, I, I'm, I got, I got things to do tomorrow. Well, that's okay. I mean, can you pass a drug test? I mean, well, you know, I, I will waive that for I, I you. Take, I take high pre- blood. I take medication <laughs> for high blood pressure. Well, that won't affect your drug test, sir. And glaucoma. Well, you know, I do. I do have glaucoma. Well, you better have glaucoma. I do. I do. Um, it's geez, it's just so it's a horrible situation. And they wonder there. why we're in such bad shape when you well, you just. We you take away incentives. Happen. Well, you got senators that actually want them to write bill. They still want them to write a bill to where they will continue to pay people on a monthly basis outside of the $300 a month um, until the pandemic is declared over, you know, like the, you know, the war on the virus is done. And then there was a new report out today that said, well, the code, the, the uh, COVID-19 pandemic is going to get better with the um with with the vaccinations but the flu is going to be you know way worse people are going to start dying off from that so you know whatever Whatever. it's only money i have a real sneaky suspicion you know that uh that they're they're want to keep something going here through next year (laughs) because well you know they they want something to affect the election next year i mean well and and unfortunately you know we say that we we jest about it but unfortunately you know it could be something dark that comes out of that and i was you know they'll they'll have to answer to their own you know when their time comes but i hope that's not the case you know that that something like that comes comes about to prolong um, you know, keeping them in a positive light. Yeah. Well, all right. So I guess, um, I guess we're, we're at a good point. We can go ahead and start, uh, doing our closing stuff. If you're of a mind to do so. Well, I mean, you know, it's half a mind anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, if, the, uh, the part that's working, yeah right um oh yeah i'm sorry (laughs) i just saw eric's comment popped up there uh i was i was looking for information on that eric about uh, the audit in arizona because i mean the only thing i heard about it last week was you know democrats tried again to stop it and they're saying uh they did come out with a story saying that the they're concerned now that they're not that it's going so slowly that they're not going to finish it in time and they only have access to the the building they're in i think until may may the 14th uh, then there's supposed to be some kind of tournament or some kind of game or something that's going on in there and uh, you know they may have to move everything to another location so i'm a little i'm a little yes uh I don't know what what would they have in an indoor. What, wouldn't be basketball this late in the year. What kind of tournament would they have indoors? But anyway, that's all I've heard. I, I, I looked for something today to see if there's any update, and I didn't see it. But uh, I'm curious for something to come out of there and say, "Hey, this is kind of what we're finding." But you know, 
Democrats are trying to slow it down as much as they can. And maybe it's so they can get tossed out um, before the um, before they finish the audit. Death threats. Okay. I'm sorry, Dennis Lee. I didn't mean to. I just saw that, Eric, and I, I, I keep meaning to uh, address that. And I, I, I saw Eric's comment and I wanted to say something. I'm done. Oh, no worries. Um, um, what was that? What is that? What in the hell is that? Sounds like a rubber band band. <laughs> Um, I think your guys came over here since uh, you ran them off. I think so. Um, you know, um, eating those brownies. Uh, you know, if you would like to, um, uh, if you're of the mind that you like to tweet, uh, you're a Twitterer, uh, then Twitter us on Tristalk, uh, WG at Tristalk, W G Moon at Tristalk. Um, and um, yeah, try to talk WG Moon on Twitter. Let's try that. Um, if you'd like to email us about suggestions of the uh, what to, you'd like to hear us talk about on the show or uh, comments about something that we've done, um, <laughs> then uh, you know, uh, or send us pictures. But please keep them clean. I mean, that last one with the uh, with the farm animals that was. <laughs> a little obscene. Um, was was that, that a cow? <laughs> I I think it was. It was utterly uh, fantastic. Trice talk <laughs> at six. Uh, Trice talk sixty nine pts at gmail dot com. That is Trice talk sixty nine pts at gmail dot com. And make sure you follow us on t- um, Facebook, um, where you can. Uh, we post a, all the episodes are posted on there. And we post a lot of the articles that we use on there, as well as um, funny pictures that um, you know Donald Wayne or myself will put on there as well. And that is on Facebook at Trice Talk, um, and we appreciate um, your your following on there, as well as your interaction. And you can also find us on Spotify at Tristalk and Amazon Music at Tristalk. And we were on every Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 11 p.m. in the Eastern Time Zone with um, many pods there the rest of the time. And I have to say, uh, Donald Wayne, I've been burning it up with the many pods. A lot of good content. A lot of people are downloading those and, um, and, and really enjoying it. Well, thank you. What, what is um, the sound? Is it raining? What is it? Uh, Well, there's lightning uh, outside. I don't know if it's raining yet. Not raining here. Um, Jeez. And then uh, if you'd (laughs) like to get weird or explicit, well, then you're out of luck. Because right now, uh, (laughs) Tall Tales in the Rabbit Hole is on hold until we uh, come up with a new time zone for it. But um, we will give you updates on that to to be determined here in the very near future. but we appreciate your listenership. Uh, we we appreciate you being here. Thank you. Um, we love you. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you so much. Did you say a new time zone? You moving to a new? Uh, <laughs> you moving uh-huh. out west? Well, no, just just trying to get get times <laughs> figured out. Um, things have been a little difficult lately. Uh, um, 
Yeah, uh, Eric mentioned the, the parlor. We are on parlor as well, and that's at uh, at Gray G R A Y C R A B. Couldn't couldn't do the same same one that we had on Twitter, and I really want to get away from Twitter. Um, I'm trying to wean myself off of Twitter and get over to Parlor, and I also want to get on that new Donald Trump website as well and see what that's about. We also oh, well. have added a couple more uh, distribution points to for Trice Talk, and I'll put those in the uh, comments on the. Um, it just just kind of finished them over the weekend and uh still waiting on pandora those got to be four to six weeks those people i mean do they i think they need to hire some people over there because that's awfully slow to approve a podcast um but i found out what the problem was in trying to get on um pandora but anyway so we got a couple more resources uh that people can find us and um actually We'll have some news on the blog next week or next week on Tuesday. I'm sorry. It is next week. I either hear a lot of wind or it's raining real hard. I can't see out the window from where I'm at, but I hear I'm getting a lot of feedback on something that that's blowing. All right. Um, we appreciate everybody spending time with us tonight and uh, hope that you'll come back on Tuesday. I've got uh, a closing thought here, but I was trying to load this other little item before I get to that point. Um, this closing thought is from, I can't read who it's from here. I think it's just a site. Says twins dish life secrets without the fluff. Okay. It goes on to say, You cannot move on until you accept this. You will not receive closure in every situation, but you can create it for yourself. Most of what other people do is about them, not about you. Some things cannot be explained. Some people won't apologize because they can't. And you cannot change people no matter how much you think they need to change. People change themselves. So, again, you cannot move on until you accept those things. All right. You still there? there? You I'm still, here. You're still Hello? there? Can, Hello? <laughs> Can you hear me? Major Tom? Major Tom. All right. Uh, let me find this, Dennis. And and if it's not raining there, it's going to be raining soon. I mean, it's dingling. Huh? It's it's uh, going to be a frog choker for sure. Uh, I mean, I'm squeezing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I hope everybody has a wonderful Monday wherever you're at. And uh, hope to see you all on uh, Tuesday. All right. Dennis Lee, you want to grab, grab, me, <laughs> grab let me, the? Let me let go of the frog and flicker the lights. This party's over. Stay safe, everybody.